Hey, what's going on today, guys? Welcome to the Truth Serum Podcast, a podcast of Crossroad Bible Fellowship. In this episode, we will discuss Christianity and the Republican Party. We want to say we're not affiliated with any party nor affirm any party. We're disciples of Jesus Christ who have been transformed by the gospel. Today, we will discuss historically how Christians have voted. Also, how we should not be defined by a political party, but how we should be identified as believers of Jesus Christ. Lastly, we will discuss how we can have hope in God, even when our candidate is not selected. So, hey, guys, um, I'm here with my co-host. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my co-host, Nathan and Joaquin. We're missing a strong part um, of our co-host in B-Love, Miss B-Love, Brittany. And so we wish her well and um, we wish her uh, well as she comes back, hopefully next time. Um, so as we get started, guys, introduce yourself. And as you interest, introduce yourself, go ahead and let us know, what do you think when you hear Christianity in the Republican Party? All right. We're going to kick it over to Joaquin. Uh, well, hi, what's up? What's going on, fam? It's so good to see you guys. Miss you guys, uh, especially my crossover family. Can't wait to uh, be back in the church. Um, don't know when that will be, but um, definitely Definitely can't wait to see you guys. Uh, but when I think about Christianity and the Republican Party, the first thing I think about, honestly, I think about racism. And I think about, you know, greed. I think about, uh, you know, the struggle, you know, of black Americans. Uh, that's, that's what I think about when I think about Christianity. White evangelicalism, you know, and, and how over the years, you know, they kind of always well, well, we'll we'll get into that, but I'm, I'm and I'm going to stop right there because I know there's some other things we're going to talk about later, but but mainly I think about racism, I think about greed, and I think you know about just you know how we're kind of how we're not really together on a lot of things. So that's what that's what I think about. Oh man, man, thanks, Joaquin. Uh, we're definitely glad to be here. We definitely do miss being uh, at crossover together with you, um, Nate. Um, man, introduce yourself and tell us, like, what do you when you hear Christianity in the Republican Party? <laughs> and if you're not on the live and you're hearing this on uh, one of our platforms, uh, you won't see Nate warm, warming up his hands. We know Nate always has something wise and good to say. But Nate, go ahead and let us know. Introduce yourself and tell us what do you think when you hear Christianity in the Republican Party? Yeah, we got to talk about this, Doc. <laughs> nah, honestly. Um... Simply put, when it comes to Christianity and the Republican Party, which is the title of this episode, most people tend to associate Christianity, or you could even say evangelicalism, with one of the two parties. And a lot of times, we'll get into this, I won't give too much, but um, a lot of times people tend to say, one side is Christian, the other side is not. And that tends to be the narrative that's painted and also people tend to use that to their advantage whenever it is uh, voting season, uh, whatever it is that season, people tend to use that to their advantage. Not only that, but people also tend to say certain things such as conservative is Christian and progressive is not, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that affects a lot of people who, uh, you know, affiliate themselves or call themselves Christians or believers that affects them because they have a dilemma when it comes to voting. Should I go against what everyone says? It's one thing or the other, but yeah, I won't go too deep because that's the nature of this episode, but yeah, that's pretty much my familiarity on that topic. 
No, thanks, Nate. And I, I definitely do affirm and agree with you all. And one of the things I think about when I, when I hear Christianity and the Republican Party is literally a misguided loyalty. Um, how individuals have misguided loyalty towards, and I would, I would call it a human institution, um, an entity where that, that man has actually created um, instead of being identified and defined by Christ and by the scriptures and what the scripture has to say. And so thinking about that, guys, I know one of the things that kind of, I, I, didn't, I don't think it sparked this, but I know it kind of enhanced this episode um, was something that one of, one of the well-renowned pastors slash theologians said, um, and I'm pretty sure you all have seen it, um, his name is John MacArthur, and this is one of the conversations I know he had with the president, and this is what he said. He says, the, uh, the pastor then explained that he and the president talked a little bit about why, certainly, from a biblical standpoint, Christians should not vote Democratic. There's no way that a Christian can affirm the slaughter of babies, um, homosexual activity, homosexual marriage, or any kind of gross immorality, uh, MacArthur asserted. No way we could stand behind a candidate who was affirming transgender behavior, which of course is really the uh, reprobate mind of Romans 1. MacArthur said he told Trump that abortion and LGBT matters aren't even political uh, to us, but rather these things are biblical. These things are laid down by the word of God. Wow, and wow, so, wow, wow. Hey, Aaron, I just want to interject right here. Didn't he, yeah. also, didn't he also say like, 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 you know, if you're Christian, you should vote Republican. Didn't he say that also? Yeah, he says only a true believer will, will vote Republican. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, think we, I think me and Nathan got a text, too, about another prominent pastor who's also said something along the lines of that, too. Well, the list is pretty long. I mean, there's multiple people who have said something similar. Mm. Yeah. And, it, and like I said, it just made me think. Especially at the last one of the things, it just made me think, are you associating Christianity with the Republican Party? Are you saying those who don't do not vote Republican, uh, Republican Party are not Christians? Um, it, it just had me thinking a whole lot because I know there are people with different viewpoints. But as we said before, we don't side with the political party if it's Democratic or Republican. Because we should, as believers, be and we'll get into this a little later, but we should be informed by the scriptures as we uh, as we vote. And so one of the things we want to talk about as we get into this, um, and I'm, I'm going to start with you, Nate. Why do individuals associate and why do white evangelical Christians right, associate the Republican Party and Christianity as synonymous? And also, if you want to relate this historically um, and how Republican Party and how Christians vote, you can also do that, too. Yeah, man, thanks. Uh, simply put, I'll let Joaquin speak to something that happened, which is a flip of certain things, but I'll get to that. At least how it's set up here in America, uh, I mentioned this a little bit in the intro, but simply put, you have what they call conservative, which tends to be Republican or the GOP grand old party. And then you also have uh, Democrats, which tend to be more progressive. So the idea between the terms of conservative and progressive is there was one group that is looking to well, I'm going to phrase it how they phrase it. There was one group that is trying to be more conservative or keep things the same. The same being we're adhering more closely to the Constitution and the original principles that push forward in our land. And then you have the other side, uh, which 
most people associate progressive, uh, which is we understand the laws and the rules and the laws of the land. However, uh, as society progresses, we're going to progress the laws to match whatever society is progressing to. So that's like the overall thing and the overall thought per se. Uh, that being said, because Christianity at large is, you know, based on the Bible and the Bible has laws and the Bible has guidelines and the Bible in a sense has certain institutions and things that are put in place to govern our lives. You know, people would say, Oh, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That being said, is the word of God really changing? Well, no, it's really not. Therefore, perhaps the word of God is more closely aligned with those who are conservative or those who are not trying to change things that much. That is kind of like the thought line people have. And that is in a sense kind of traveled throughout history. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality of that is I will say this much, even though some of those terms like progressive and conservative tend to be associated with certain parties, that's not necessarily the case because you can be a Republican, but your thoughts and how you execute your interpretation of how things should flow can be very progressive. And same thing, uh, you can be a Democrat and meaning that, okay, you do believe certain things should progress, but ultimately you can be conservative. You can say, I'm, I'm Democratic, you know, I'm a Democratic nominee or I'm running for the Democratic Party. I'm associated with the Democratic Party. However, um, I am more conservative in my views as it relates to certain things. Right. And what some people don't and we'll talk about this, what some people don't reconcile is people forget that people's party affiliation is not necessarily their view on whether or not they're conservative or progressive. So I'll say it like this. People's party affiliation is not necessarily their interpretation of how things should go. Mm. Interpretation would be conservative or progressive. So those are not always the same. You can easily have a candidate who is one thing and they execute it in another. But, you know, we'll get into this more, but I'll say this much. What people also forget is just because a candidate or somebody in a certain position is a Republican or Democrat, that doesn't mean that's their agenda. Mm-hmm. I think people forget that people have an agenda or a certain set of plans that they want to do, or has as certain political parties have said, hey, people who donate to my campaign, I'm kind of obligated to do what they ask me. Not that they're buying my decision, but if somebody dropped, you know, 50 million on my campaign, I kind of have to like honor that a little bit. You know, so, and, and pe- you know, candidates have said that, right? You know, so, so people forget that people have an agenda and some people will look one way on the outside just to get in a position, but their ideology is completely different. But they, so they do things to get in a the position, then they do whatever. So don't be swayed by Republicans or Democrats being conservative or progressive because that's different, Right interpretations don't always match party affiliation. And I'll just leave it at that for now till we circle back around to that. In terms of like the history, uh, I'll let Joaquin speak to that. Or you, Aaron, if you don't want to speak to that. 
Yeah, thanks, Nate. Nate just gave us a PhD lesson on government and economics and everything uh, else. <laughs> but no, don't, I think, don't, don't, don't say that because then somebody's going to be like, what is Nathan's credentials? Let's look at his credentials. Um, engineering, that has nothing to do with political science. Well, I got, I got an A in my class, political science class, so. I never took poli sci, but. Legit. See, Joaquin's not even qualified to speak on this episode. <laughs> Hey. Anyways, no, I think one of the things when we see Christianity in the Republican Party, we see, uh, I, and I've heard and, and talked to and even, even had thoughts myself of, I think why we see it as synonymous is how they view certain things. For example, the Republican Party views marriage the same way as the scriptures, between a man and a woman. Um, when when you talk about um, abortion and the Republican Party is definitely uh, pro-life um, or some would say some would say pro pro-birth, um, but they do affirm that, hey, we should not be killing babies inside of the womb. And so I think sometimes we we pr- we kind of put a value on different type of um sin or in different type of things in the scriptures and we don't see we don't see everything in the scriptures what the scriptures have to say and so i think that's why sometimes we can see it see it synonymous and i think sometimes that's why white evangelicals can see it synonymous because i can look at two or three main issues and those two or three main issues is how i find my allegiance or i find my um, way inside of the political party game in america um, so when it comes to the historical the historical part of how like Christians have voted, um, maybe white evangelicals versus black Christians have voted like Joaquin, can you kind of help us out uh, with that? Because even in, we can look even not as far as 2016 and in 2016, there was 81 percent of white evangelicals who voted Republican. So, and that's from the Washington Post. So that th- this is not anything that is fabricated, but that is factual, factual base. And so, Joaquin, can you kind of tell us historically what has, how has this come about? How how do we have eighty one percent of white evangelicals, you know, voting this way, but maybe we have black Christians voting a whole different way? Sure, sure. So, one of the things I want to be able to do also is to be able to answer the question. Why do, evangel- why do individuals associate Christianity or white evangelicalism with the Republican Party? Like, why do they seem as synonymous? And I think you can't give a real good answer until you really understand the history that goes behind the Republican Party as well as the Democratic Party, right? So as Aaron said, 81% of white evangelicals voted Republican. But another fact is also back in 2016, 96% of African-Americans voted Democrat. So so you have a striking difference between African-Americans who are still predominantly Christian, um, who have voted Democrat versus the Republicans who voted, you know, uh, versus uh, white evangelicals who voted Republican. So and I think you have this thing where you have. I think all of us, white evangelicals, including black Christians, are socially conservative. And what that means is, is that we both have 
um, um, a, a value to uphold the scriptures, a value to, um, you know, uh, to, to, to value life in the womb. Like, like we're not down with abortion. We're not down with gay marriage. You know what I mean? Like, just like, you know, pretty much a lot of the Republicans are. However, when it comes to, you know, certain aspects of the Republican Party, you know, some some people will convert social conservatism with neoconservatism, which is basically like, you know, more so of a patriotic type, you know, conservatism of preserving the country. So uh, so I'm not so I'm no longer identified by, you know, what the scriptures, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by being by him, his death, burial, resurrection. But now I am being identified from a conservatism from from a conservatist level, so to speak. Um, uh, of, of, of um, I'm, I'm, my country is what I'm identified. I'm American before I'm Christian, you know? And so, um, and, and so to kind of get into the history of this, well, a lot of people really don't know. I'm pretty sure this is, this is common knowledge for a lot of people, but black people originally voted Republican. And so like, um, and so if you go back to the 1800s, uh, when Abraham Lincoln, who was, you know, a Republican, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation to abolish slavery, right? Well, the Civil Rights Act was passed the next year in 1866, um, and that gave the black that gave black men the right to vote. However, during the 1870s, the concern for African Americans basically went away, and there were and they basically started to think about okay, well, how can the wealthy, the wealthy rich, stay more in power, right? Which makes sense because later on in the um, in the late seventies and like I think eighteen seventy seven, uh, Rutherford B Hayes met in secret with segregationist Democrats because white Democrats were based on based in the South and Republicans who were who were supported by black people who had the right to vote based on the Civil Rights Act that was passed in eighteen sixty six, they had the right to vote, but. Rutherford B. Hayes in 1877, with his compromise of 1877, ended up getting with white, ended up getting with white segregationist Democrats of the South, and basically decided to pull Civil War troops from the South, who who those Civil War troops, um, they're the ones who enforced to make sure that those voting act, the, like the, those voting, um, the voting acts and stuff like that, make sure that those things were happening. Since that concern was less for African Americans, and when they pulled those troops from the South, what ended up happening was was that 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 basically led to KKK violence, that led to uh, black black codes, Jim Crow, Plessy versus Ferguson. You know, it led to separate but equal, all that stuff, whatever. So fast forward to the 1920s, you no, know, um, and then 1929 we get the Great Depression. FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, he comes in with his New Deal. He starts expanding the role of federal government and giving relief programs to blacks, although they were still racially discriminated against. And, and I would say that's the start of the move from blacks because FDR was a Democrat. And that was the start of the move from blacks in the Republican Party to the uh, to the to the to the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So now. Fast forward between the 50s and 60s, you know, after JFK was shot, Lyndon B. Johnson takes the presidency. When Lyndon B. Johnson takes the presidency, he signs the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And right after that, basically an immediate shift of black people switched from Republican to Democrat. 
Okay. Now, here's here, here's the deal about Republicans, white voters of the South, because remember, they were they were originally Democrats, white voters of the South who were originally Democrats. They started to basically resent the Democratic Party because they didn't like the way they were doing government. They, they basically were saying that government interfered with things like the signing of the Civil Rights Act, you know, abortion and prayer in schools. So that's what caused white evangelicals to switch from Democrat to Republican. When we get to the 1980s, the Republicans elect Ronald Reagan, who basically promotes uh, or promises, you know, a fight for big business, lower taxes and family values. Right. So and because of those family values, Ronald Reagan basically pulled a lot of and, and, and pulled a lot of those white evangelical Christians who still you know, held that value. And this is how you got the Republican Party of today. So, um, so like, you know, so the reason why we see a Christianity and a Republican Party that is that that seems synonymous is because of that 1980 pull of Reagan saying, you know, uh, saying he values the things that, that 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 those current Christians also value. And that's why you see a lot of white evangelicals who normally vote Republican but, you know, so so I'm going to just I'm just leave it there, man. Yeah. Uh, Joaquin, uh, thanks for the history lesson. Uh, mm-hmm. No, nah, for real, because I think that was really informative. I think that was something that we can be able to take and be able to realize how society has changed and how society kind of has uh, black black Christians and also white evangelical Christians, how they vote, um, not just now, but how how over time that happened. Sure. Um, but I know. But I know something we want to kind of get into, and they kind of mentioned this in the beginning. Uh, we want to talk about what's the difference between conservatives versus liberals. And we want to work with these little working definitions. We talked about how conservative is holding to traditional attitudes and values and cautious about change or innovation, typically in re- uh, relation to politics or religion. And then we have also on the other side, we have progressives, or if you want to say liberals, one believing in moderate political change and especially social improvement by governmental action. So we see these two things and we definitely see these two things in our society right now. And a lot of people are talking about these things. So, Nate, can you help us out? Like, what is the difference between these, um, two, I guess, two entities that um, we find ourselves in? The interesting thing. I'm going to answer that differently for a moment because I thought you, I think your definitions are good. Uh, the one thing that if you were paying attention to the history lesson Joaquin gave, and by the way, I don't want anybody to think that we're swaying to one side or another. Joaquin was just stating some things that happened in historical fact. And if you listen to a lot of the things Joaquin said in answering the question of conservatives versus progressives, the interesting thing is this. I'll say it throughout history. People were conservative. I'm going to make a comment. People were conservative when it was convenient. When it wasn't convenient, they changed up and vice versa. People are progressive when they're progressive. But when it's no longer advantageous to them, they change up. Or if they see something they don't like, they change up. The interesting thing about conservatives or progressives per se is throughout time, the pattern is shown, they will change up when it's not convenient for them. Um, The reason I'm saying that is, it's interesting that in the history lesson Joaquin gave, Republicans were one way till they saw something they didn't like. 
And then all of a sudden, their behavior seems to be more Democrat, Democratic because they want to change certain things when it's convenient. So pay attention to that because you would think if somebody is conservative, they're a staunch conservative. They're holding to tradition, to values, to uh, they're more cautious to change. You would think. But a lot of times people are only conservative because they see it as a benefit to themselves. People tend to be more aggressive because they're, I said aggressive, progressive, well, maybe aggressive too. People tend to be more progressive because they believe something needs to change because they're not happy with how things are. And they think there's more change that could be done. The overall issue is you would think that someone would want to change things for the common good of everybody. But as I said earlier, you have to be careful because some people change things they want to change things for the common good of themselves, not everybody. And that's something to pay attention to. But yeah, simply put, getting back to your original question, Aaron, you know, traditionally, man, the, the, the definitions was I'm more conservative and I'll say I'm more, I'll say conservatives tend to be more old school and people viewed religion as old school and their new school of thought is Man, we need social improvement, and we can change these things ourselves. Uh, I will make this comment, and I'll be done. I'll say it like this. Conservatives could probably truly be called more aligned with religion if they actually practice the religion they say they claimed. Because the interesting thing is, if you were a conservative who actually walked out Let's just say Christianity in this example. If you're a conservative who actually walked out Christianity, people who are progressive wouldn't be yelling for change for something that they thought you would be able to handle. So let me let me let me tell you what I mean per se. And and we'll get into this in a little more. I don't want to jump the gun. But the interesting thing is one issue that comes up every election is uh, abortion. And like I said, we won't, I won't get too much into it. But one thing that comes up is abortion all the time. So one side says, man, you know, we pro-life. The other side says we pro-choice. But look how some conservatives have framed pro-choice, meaning that we want the person to make the decision on that. Some conservatives has framed pro-choice as their baby killers. Is that what they said? They said pro-choice, but now all of a sudden they're baby killers. Some progressive or Democrats have framed conservatives or Republicans that say we're pro-life as they want to control your body. The language they're using is very misleading on both sides because they're trying to get you to, they're trying to get you to do something which is join them. Mm-hmm. And so then Nathan, they can, yeah. So Nathan, you're basically saying like there is the 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 the, the main the pro- they're basically highlighting something that's not really the main problem. That's what you're getting at. Pretty much, but if they can trigger an emotional response to you or say something similar that remains in your brain, it'll get you to switch up. Mm-hmm. And again, all I'm pointing out here is they have different definitions but they're using the same tactics to try to control your choice. 
Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. They have different definitions, but they're using the same tactics to try to control your vote. It's interesting that regardless of I see if they're conservative or progressive, when I watch these commercials, all the commercials are set up the same way. It could be me versus Joaquin running for an election. You'll see a commercial that says, Hi, I'm Joaquin Morris. I'm a family man. I like traditional values and I'll fight for your traditional values. And it'll be Nathan's side. And I'll say, hey, I'm Nathan. And I'm Nathan Lote. And guess what? Uh, I want to represent you because our country needs to change. If you're not satisfied, then it's time to change it. That's what the Constitution is for. We have amendments. We can change. And then there'll also be a commercial that says, Joaquin Morris accepted $50 million from political action committees (laughs) under the table. And it'll be like one of those smear campaigns. And a commercial will be pointed at me. Nathan Lilton wants to change things so much that certain laws that have been in place since the Constitution won't even matter in the future. Like, they're, they're doing the same thing. And I find that ironic that regardless of what definition you adhere to, whether conservative or progressive, they use the same tactics to control, try to control your vote. I find that interesting. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Nate. Uh, man, that, that is totally, that's really interesting uh, with that you said that. And I know we're talking in the difference between conservatives and liberals, but Joaquin, help us out. Should we even, as believers, should we even be tailored to a side of conservatives or liberal liberals, or should we be somewhere in the middle between those things? Um, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, um, but I do want to say also that I don't have a problem with either one of these definitions as a believer. Um, you know, I hold to traditional values, um, you know, maybe not in relation to politics, <laughs> but um, definitely for and definitely in relate for religion. Um, but I also believe that, hey, like, you know, moderate political change. Uh, and uh, social improvement needs to happen also. There's this idea that here in America that the gospel and social and social change don't isn't supposed to go together. I don't, I don't I don't and I hope and I hope that I hope that's understandable like you know anytime that a person talks about or, or a uh, or a black Christian who who values justice, anytime a person talks about that, you know, and in, in, in the as far as as far as the gospel is concerned, they're either called a cultural Marxist or they're called, you know, uh, or, or they're obeying the laws of critical race theory. Man, the first time I heard somebody call somebody a culture, cultural Marxist or critical race theory, I was like, what is that? You know, what I'm saying I'm just thinking about, you know, the scriptures, you know, how we're supposed to, you know, have justice for the poor and all these different things like that. But I think the difference comes in and, and the problem comes in when conservatives value tradition over truth. Right. It's like what I can preserve, what I can protect, what I can save is what I value more than really what the scriptures say. When it comes to progressive, I value change over truth. Um, and especially when you're talking about conservative Christians who are like those neoconservatives who value uh, who value uh, their patriotic American age over their Christ, over you know um, over their Christian identity, and and then you have progressive Christians who want to um, who want to basically join other things. They want to put their worldview on top of the scriptures, 
and be able to join those things as if they as if, you know, they were cool. Here's an example. You know, uh, John 14, 6, you know, says that I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except by me. Those are Jesus's words. But there are some who thinks that because they feel that that, you know, uh, that uh that that everybody or whatever should be included like you know let's say Carlson like Carlton Pearson he thinks you know and um I forgot that I forgot that pastor name his name up there in um uh up there in DC I forgot his name but they think that hey they argue for things that think that hey like you know there are multiple ways to get to the father and not through Jesus so because of their own worldview they put their worldview as far as progressive Christians put their worldview on top of the scriptures and and end up isogeting the text, which means they don't draw out, but put in, you know what I'm saying? The text, what they wanted, what they want to see. So like, you know, they value change over truth as far as the progressive Christians, conservative Christians value or neoconservative Christians value tradition over truth. And the thing is what, what, and, and, and to answer your question, Aaron, we need to be in the, in, in the middle. We should never be so conservative and never be so and never be so uh, progressive or whatnot, where truth becomes tradition or truth becomes change. You know, we should never um, we should never be put in that position, because honestly, as a believer, you will you will find out that you don't fit well in either category as, as a believer, you know, because there are some things on the conservative side that's not good. And there are some things on the progressive side that we just not that we just ain't gonna rock with. You see what I'm saying? As a believer, so either way, you know there are some things on both sides that like that that, that, that we're not gonna rock with, and we just don't fit well in either party as as, no. as believers. No, thank you, Joaquin. I think and that leads us to kind of where we're going. We we and what you said is like, hey, we as believers we can't rock with any because there's fault on both sides. Like there are things on both sides that don't align to the scriptures. And so I'm going to come I'm going to come to Nate uh, first. When we look at these parties, what do we see uh, between Republican and Democratic that maybe oppose the scriptures? Maybe they're against the scriptures. So just to just to break this down, um, because we've even been talking like this so far on the podcast. We have to be careful not to personify these parties. What I mean is. We tend to talk about parties and their identities like they're actual people. They're not people. They're organizations and political parties made up of a group of people. So if you want to know how a party is, you have to look at the individuals that are in this thing. And the reason I'm saying that is because when you look at individuals, they have sin. I'm going to make a comment. It's not really popular, but it's, it's you know, at, one thing I do as a believer is when people don't believe in God, I tend not to expect them to follow the word of God, Bible, because like they don't believe in it. So they're going to do, they're literally going to do whatever they're going to do. That is part of the reason why as believers, we need to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. Now, here's something that historically happened in America that they didn't think would happen. So in 1770, now somebody will say I'm assuming, but whatever. In 1776, when they signed all these things and Declaration of Independence and all this other stuff, it was common in culture 
to go to church. Like it's like expected of you. You live in a township. You you raise up a family. And you know, when it's Sunday, you go to church. Like the church had an imprint, uh, maybe in even certain levels of authority, like in terms of marrying people, that's the church first, not the state. Mm -hmm. So they had a certain level of power. And culture and public kind of respected it a little bit. Now, you fast forward to today, you have people in political positions, they don't go to church at all. They don't believe in anything. So in a sense, the founding fathers, most of them thought, at least when people in positions, they'll have the moral compass of a church at the very least to kind of guide their decisions. But you have people who are in positions now, they don't have that. And the reason I'm saying that and, and why it's relevant to your question is the fact that you have people who are in positions of authority politically, they don't believe into the scriptures at all on both sides, which is why you will have people who don't respect the word and will do something way left field. Now I'm going to pause right here for a second. I'm not saying that back in the day in the 1700s, it was better. I'm not saying back in the day was the great time and we need to make America great again. I'm not saying that. The reason I'm not saying that is because, y'all, currently what people got a problem with is even though back then you went to church and you would think people were more, it was more common for people to go to church on the regular, and you would think people would have a moral compass, they still had slaves. <laughs> so, so that's why some people are like, yo, I don't necessarily rock with the traditional party because your strong moral compass didn't even allow you to have the discernment to not have slaves. Now we're not talking about this at the moment, but I mean, it's pretty clear in the word of God that uh, what the Bible says about slavery, um, that's a whole nother topic. Um, you know, that's a whole other topic that we don't have to get into, uh, that we don't really have the time to get into. But really, when you think about it, people do wonder, you know, does the Bible promote slavery? Um, there's versions that say man stealing. The answer is no, it doesn't. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to that later. It doesn't. So since it doesn't, how come you had all these people of a certain party still having slaves? Which, going back to what, what Joaquin said earlier, caused the switch up between the grand old party to people jumping to something more progressive anyway. Yeah. And, and, and man, you know, and this is kind of going to the um, answer. Like I'm piggybacking off of what Nathan just said and going and actually answering that question to Aaron is that the Republican party and, you know, has a history to have a lack of concern for the socially disadvantaged. Hmm. And so like, and so, and so what I mean by that is, is that like, for instance, they went through like, you know, a great depression during those times, the Southern Democrats who are now Republican during the twenties, you know, were basically consistently getting rich, getting rich, getting rich, getting rich. Remember I told you back in history, you know, they just was like, Hey, their care for, for African-Americans in the South, you know, 
they were they were more concerned with you know how can the wealthy stay in power, you know like that like that's what they were more concerned with you know the Republicans of the North, uh, and so man and, and as things kept going up, eventually the stock market crashed and basically caused the Great Depression. When um, when um, Roosevelt came in, Roosevelt was like. Yo, we're going to put together a plan to be able to help the people out here to come out of this depression. Yo, the Democrats who are now Republican had a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? They had a problem saying, oh, you're controlling the government too much. Or or, or you're, you're controlling, you know, people's lives too much. That was their argument. You know, like, you know, and and the, and the same thing when it comes to. Uh, the 1980s when uh, Reagan when Reagan got in, like so so here here's what I mean. Reagan got in in the 19 in, in 1980. That dude was like, "Yo, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna slash taxes for big corporations and big business, right? And then what we're gonna do is, you know, because because they thought that from that from that process, they thought, okay, well, we'll slash corporations." Like those big corporations will come to those come to those uh to those towns, and the thought process was as they come to those towns, they'll create new jobs, and as they and as they create new jobs, you know more people will spend money, therefore more money will be out in the economy, therefore it'll help the economy. But what they don't understand, giving those big tax breaks and those big tax cuts uh, to those companies or whatnot ended up slowing down programs like social security, things of that nature that taxes pay into. So therefore the poor ended up being still more depressed and still pooped on. You see what I'm saying? So like, you know, my whole, my whole thing is, is that man, you know, and here's the point that I'm trying to make. Uh, and, and I'm going, and I'm going to, and I'm going to further this from 1980 to current. We and and I want to say this too. I am I don't I don't I don't identify as a Democrat or I don't identify as a Republican. I want I want you guys to hear me so clear on this. I don't I don't identify with either. You know. So the reason why I'm saying that is because of what I'm about to say. Right now we have a dude that is not as president that does not care or whatever about how what he says, how things come out. And it has been racially divisive. You know what I'm saying? And this is the person that you guys chose to put in, that you guys chose to put into office as as a Republican Party. But you're supposed to be the conservative so-called Christians, you know, that's supposed to do that. Like, hey, uh, Colossians 3.5 talks about, you know, greed, which is idolatry. So, 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 So the Republican Party has a history of greed. And so are we going so but the Republican Party always talk about abortion and LGBTQ like greed, like, you know, greed isn't idolatry in the scriptures. Like, 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 like the Republican Party hasn't done nothing wrong. Like, dude, both of y'all corrupt. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like for me, you know, like, man, dude, I don't rock with the Democratic Party. I'm not down with LGBTQ. I'm not down with it. I am me personally. I'm not down with that agenda. I'm not down with abortion. You see what I'm saying? And th- and this is what I mean about not fitting in either party as a believer. Like, I don't fit perfectly within, it, within any party. Do I agree with some of the social issues on the Democratic Party? Absolutely. Do I agree with some of the conservative issues um, about abortion and, you know, LGBT stuff on the Republican side? Yeah. 
But but there are some other things, man, that I can't rock with based on the entire word of God. And if we're going to, as believers, going to follow the entire word of God, our entire lives need to be changed and need to be redirected based on what the scriptures bring. I can't bring my own presupposition to the scriptures or whatever and think that I'm going to put my own view on the text. And I can't do that. I have to be able to know this entire scripture and I have to be and I have to be willing to allow myself to be changed by the entirety of scripture, not just by some things that I have a problem with, you know, and, and, I, and I think yeah. that's what um, and I think that's what, um, you know, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. That's why I can't rock with, you know, with, with, with either one. And, 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 and we'll get and I know we're going to get to voting. We'll talk about voting in a minute. And and I think I think I always think about like who's your neighbor? Um and how Christ tells us, you know, love our neighbor as ourself. And if we're all image bearers of the most high God, um, and we're made in his image based on Genesis 1, 26 through 28, um, I think we have I I don't think I think I, we know we have to love one another. We have to have compassion on one another. And I think we also have to communicate and hear one another. Um, I think this is just when we talk about all this, right? And I think sometimes we see, and there's been a lot of things happening in the race, right? There's not a lot of communication. And so now it's like, hey, let's communicate, let's communicate. But even when it comes to the political realm and maybe where we differ or maybe where things are going on, why can't we communicate? Why, why aren't things um, and we able to communicate? Is it because maybe we put value on different sin than others? Um, is it because sometimes we see sin individually versus seeing sin and, and others see sin systematically? We know sometimes black individuals and black Christians, we see sin systematically because of the historical things of slavery. Joaquin already said black codes. Joaquin already said Jim Crow. Like we have and we have grandfathers and, gr- and great grandmothers who lived through Jim Crow in the South. And however, we have some, you know, on the other side, we definitely have our white brothers and sisters who see sometimes and I'm, I'm not going to paint a white, uh, a broad sp- uh, stroke because that's not all. But some see it just individually. When we talk about just abortion, when we talk about just um LGBTQ, when we talk about these different things, it's, it's individually. However, I, w- I would challenge the believer and I would challenge the white and the black brother and sister to say, how does God value sin? How does God look at this? Does he put racial injustice ahead of abortion? Does he does he put LGBTQ over uh, racial injustice? Like what? How does God value that? Or does God see it all the same? Or does God see it as, hey, that is sin in my eyes and I'm a righteous and holy God and I'm asking you to turn from it and submit yourself and, and even submit and um, and humble yourself unto the scriptures and be guided by that. And so I think we have I think as believers, we definitely have to realize, hey, how do we see this? But our priority and our value cannot be on certain sin because we recognize Maybe God, God doesn't really see it like that. Um, and I think knowing that and recognizing that, I think we can look at where does our loyalty stand at as believers? And it doesn't matter what side of the, of the aisle you are on. Like, 
where does your loyalty stand at at the end of the day? Like at the end of the day, hey, we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, those who are believers, and you will be accounted. And so my thing is, and I'm going I'm to I'm start off with Nate because uh, we haven't heard from you in a while. Nate, why has our loyalty changed and why has believers, right? When we talk about Christians and believers, why has sometimes our loyalty changed from either being too loyal to a political party or I would even say our own culture uh, versus the God's kingdom agenda? I'm going to make a comment. I was going to send, I was going to save some of this for like the end, but uh, I'll say it now. We act and feel like sometimes, not all the time, but in our action as well as in action, meaning we're not taking any action at all sometimes we leave the responsibility of what we are supposed to do for someone else sometimes we go and vote and we say the person we voted for is a believer i have done my part i have put a christian in a position of authority that is not our role um, as believers, um, because it, when we do that, that's why sometimes we put more faith in the fact that we voted and put somebody somewhere and we played our part rather than us personally taking any type of action. If I see um, the poor and disenfranchised in my city, I can take action to organize something or if, and go out there and do something. I can start creating a, a sandwich ministry or something like that. And I can go out there and try to feed people, right? Or maybe, maybe I just take a more personal approach. Maybe I say, you know what, man, once a month, I'm going to find someone who's homeless and speak to them and see how I can get them on their feet. I'm going to find somebody who is hard on their luck and is is more poor and disenfranchised, and I'm going to see how I can invest in them and help their life come up. We don't do that. We vote for somebody who has a plan and say, I did my part. The problem is this is not necessarily our role. Uh, a good example of this is in the Bible, the story of the life of Joseph. Joseph pretty much... Uh, started from the top, then he started from the bottom, but then he was now, now we're here, so he went back up. He was up, he was down, and came back up. And God watched with him through that journey. Um, the interesting thing about all that and, and God walking him through that journey is simply that God was with him, and a lot of times he got placed in a position of authority, mm. and even though. There were non-believers who were in power, socioeconomically, politically, as well as authority with their own military. Even though there are non-believers who were in power, they still said, hmm, whatever I give this man, it just works. I think God is with him. I'll just trust him. Yeah. That is the position and the role I believe we have a chance to walk in. The problem is many of us don't want to endure whatever Joseph went through to get to that position. We would rather not um, deal with that because it's a lot of hardship 
to get to that position and we actually have to do something and we are personally responsible for the decisions we make and the people we invest in this that and the third and even back then there's even back then and there's no voting <laughs> like like there's a monarchy ain't no voting like you don't even get to choose right so the reason i'm bringing that up is again we're putting too much power in thinking the votes themselves are the change agent. We are the change agents. When I say we, I'm talking about the believers. Those have been transformed uh, by the gospel, by the death, burial, resurrection. So we are the change agents, not the vote that we have to put someone somewhere. Like that's not change, even though they market it that way. Because even if they do change it, someone else can come right behind them and change it right back. So what, what do we really get? We are the change agents. However, again, that is going to take more effort, more time, more prayer, and dare I say, more struggle to get to that point. Uh, a lot of things in terms of even of civil rights, who was leading the way there? Churches that had to take action, but also were faced with hardships. Prior to that, it didn't matter how much they voted, nothing happened. But the change agent was the church. Mm. But that pathway takes hardship. And I think people would rather vote and feel good rather than get out there and do action that might take, you know, 12 years before something comes to pass because that's hard. Mm. Nah, Nate, that's big, man. Oh. That's big time, Nate. Um, and I think as we talked about not only that, but also making sure our identity is definitely in Christ, that to remember that even as we vote, um, that we've been chosen by God before the foundational world, as Ephesians 1 would say, um, and that we've been adopted into his family. So no matter what entity human humanly there is, we know we have an eternal one that we have been adopted in. And because we have the Holy Spirit um, now into the day of redemption, hey, we, we're in that family eternally. And I think what, when we look at that, knowing that we're on, we should, we as believers are on the team of faith, the team of God, the team of Jesus. We should not allow the culture or a party to inform us because we're, we're reverse engineering this thing. I heard I heard this uh, pastor in Brandon Washington and I don't I don't want to um, misguide his words. I don't want to say it, but I, he talked about the same thing. But it's really sometimes as believers we can't allow the values of a party or something humanly um, in the United States like a Democratic or Republican party to inform how we vote. But the scriptures should inform how we vote. Um, and what it means and, and how we should vote for a leader. And so, Waki, I'm going to kick it over to you. Uh, um, you can talk about voting and also being a kingdom independent. And what, is that, what does that even mean uh, for the believer? Yeah, so, um, so I've been following uh, Tony Evans, Tony Evans uh, his series on kingdom voting. And he said something very, very good about um, being a kingdom independent. Like, one of the things that he described was that we shouldn't be so Democrat and we shouldn't be so Republican, right? And so he describes being a kingdom independent 
um, as taking the opportunity and responsibility uh, to be committed Christians, to partner with God by expanding his rule in society through civil government. So, man, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to give I'm going to give this example. Um, well, let me say this first. We as believers need to make sure that we're not Republican and we're not Democrat. Although we may agree with some policies on both sides, we don't fit in with either one or whatnot. So when you go to the polls, you are exercising your right and, 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 and giving a voice to the voiceless when you actually go out and vote. Like um, I was talking to um, I was talking to Marshall. Um, I, I, he he was on um, Marshall was on on with us last season, and man, one of the things that we were talking about, we were talking about uh, Romans thirteen one through four, and Romans thirteen one through four talks about how the governing officials, um, you know how they are ministers of God, and how they've been put in place by God. Now, I know that could be very difficult, especially when, you know, there's a lot of things that maybe Trump or Biden or whatever president has has come in and done something that doesn't necessarily stand with the word of God. But one of the things that we have to remember is that when we exercise our right to vote, it's always God's decision who make who, 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 who decides who's going to be in office. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Now, remember, we work in partnership with God on that on that selection. You know, so like, um, for instance, I'll give you some examples. In Jonah 1, um, a lot was cast when Jonah was on his way to tar- was um was getting ready to flee. He didn't go to Nineveh or whatnot, but he got on the boat and there's a big storm that came. And so 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 the people that were on the boat decided to cast lots to see, you know, who was the per- who was responsible for this calamity for this storm. The lot fell to Jonah. In Acts uh in Acts 1 verses 23 to 26, uh they talk about, you know, the choosing since Judas basically um basically died. They talked about choosing the next apostle to be able to come in. It was either between Joseph or Matthias. They cast a lot and the lot fell to Matthias. I understand that with Jonah's situation that they were casting lots um, and with, uh, you know, in uh, Jonah's situation, they were casting lots or whatever. And with um, the situation with Matthias, they cast a lot. But during that time, they still made they still exercised their civic duty by making a decision on 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 which way that lot fell. Right. So in the same sense or whatnot, we have to also remember Proverbs 16, verse 33 which says that, you know, the, the lot falls into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. So like, regardless of who you vote for, whether Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or whoever, the, the, the decision is always going to be, is always going to be God's decision. Even if the ruler, watch this, even if the ruler is not a good ruler. In Romans 9, Paul raised up I mean, excuse me. Um, um, Paul talked about God raising up Pharaoh so that um, back in back in Exodus, so that His glory will be made known. Mm. You see what I'm saying? So, 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 regardless of who 
So, so regardless of who's in the office or whatnot, it's God's decision of why that person is there. You see what I'm saying? So, and so, and people say, well, okay, well, Joaquin, well, who should you vote for? Listen, I'm voting for the person that's going to be that, that I, and I'm praying for the person or whatever, that's going to be able to give me based on first Timothy uh, two, one through four, where we can be able to live a, a holy and tranquil life, man. And we can be able to have a place of peace um, so that we can, so that we may not agree um, on, on certain things or whatever, but I'm voting for the candidate that I believe um, that I'm partnering with God with that I believe that'll be able to come um, to, that'll be able to give us that holy and tranquil and, and tranquil and tranquil life. Cause we have to remember um, even in judges five, it talks about, you know, this dude who was, you know, at the army uh, who, who had his sword drawn. And when Joshua came up, they were getting ready to take over Jericho. And when Joshua came up, Joshua said, are you for us? Or are you with them? And the dude who had the sword drawn was like, no, I'm the captain of the Lord's army. You see what I'm saying? In other words, the dude who was the captain of the Lord's army said, I'm not with either one of y'all, but I'm with the Lord. And when we vote, we need to vote the exact same way as if we're with the Lord, not with the Republican Party because they're because they're sinful, not with a Democratic Party, because guess what? They're sinful. But because of the standard that is based on the word of God and the word of God alone. And so, man, um, and so, you know, when we when we think about those things, man, we got to understand that, man, whoever is in office, I don't care who it is. It's God's decision of who's in there. And another thing, too, based on that Romans 13, uh, that Romans 13, I want, I, want, I want to be able to share. Now, the highest governing authority that is here, um, you know, because that is here in the states or whatever, is not the president, is not the, uh, is not the senators, is not the mayors, but it is the people, for we the people here in our current day and age, we're the people or whatever that places people because we have the opportunity in this democracy to be able to vote someone out of office. So with that being so with that being said, we also have a responsibility because if we don't actually go exercise our polls, I mean go go to the polls and exercise our vote, we become complicit with what people in office are doing. And God is going to judge us on that as well. So man, so 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 we have to make sure that you know, we're not voting in a sense that, you know, hey, here's this person, you know, that I, that I think, you know, is going to be the perfect dude or whatever. But we have to vote, number one, based on the scriptures. And we have to vote for a person that's going to allow us to be able to live a tranquil life so that we'll be able to flourish in this country. Man, that's good. That's good, Joaquin. Um, now, Joaquin, that's good. I think when we talk about and I, I know we, I think you've talked about it, us continue to have hope. Like, even if our candidate is not selected, hey, Daniel 2.21, we can look at Psalm 75.7. God mm. is the one who puts the whoever the king, the president, whoever it is in office. But we can also have hope that God is in control, that when we pray, if we look, even if we look at Exodus 1.11, if we look at Exodus 2.23-24, we see the Hebrews, people of Israel, they're crying out because they've been lorded over by Pharaoh. Time and time again, but they cried out. But there was a deliverer, and so I think at the end of the day, we can have hope in a we can have hope in God because no matter who is selected, because we know God does that. 
But no matter who the, who was in office, we can have hope that God is going to hear our prayers. We can have we can have hope that we know God is is sovereign and literally doing things on the on the inside that we can see ourselves. Uh, so um, that pretty much wraps it up for Christianity and the Republican Party. I know we have some resources. Um, Joaquin, I'm going to start with you, man. What resources did you have that you want to give the people? Man, um, one thing, uh, the Kingdom Voting Series by Tony Evans. I think that's a good series that you guys should definitely check out. Um, it, it, it puts a lot of things in perspective um, based on our responsibility as believers. Um, so I think you guys should listen to that. Another book I wanted to suggest, I suggested this in the past, but I'm going to suggest it again, is this book, Seculosity. And man, it's really, Seculosity is really a book about, you know, not allowing your performance or whatever to go um, over God's grace. Um, and so one of the things it talks about about is a chapter that talks about politics in here. And it talks about, you know, how people allow their narrative to basically allow which party they should go that they should go into, and so man, because we all because we all grow up with different types of narratives, our narrative is that you know we have a different thought process of what the fifties looked like than what you know than what other than what other people you know thought the fifties than what white people thought the fifties looked like. The fifties for us was you know trying to make it to the next city before the sun goes down, you know not being able to drive you know while the sun goes down. You know, or, or at night, because there was a, there was because we were worried about whether we we're going to die that night because because we were fending for our lives from from lynchings from lynchings happening. You know, we were uh, you know worried about you know man, hey, like you know we're <laughs> like you know being able to get on get on the bus and things things of that nature. You know, a lot of the, we were we were worried about discrimination socially that was going on against African African Americans. You know, during that time. You know, so like, so there's a, so, so, so we have a different narrative of how we, of how we look at things. And man, and a lot of times because of our performance, we want to look a certain way to our friends because there's a lot of Republican people also that are Republic, they have Republican circles that man really are Republican, not because they really want to be, but because there's, but because they place their identity in their performance of their political party. Um, another book, man. Um, that I think is going to be really, really good, and that talks about the greed of certain things is um, is the color of money. I didn't put it on the deal, but man, I read my, um, by um, um, Mercer. I, I don't know how to pronounce your last name, but it's this book here, and it talks about the racial wealth gap um, between blacks and whites here in America. I think that's I think this will be a really good book for you to read. I started reading it, and man, it is it's a lot of information in there for you to understand. Of how you know both parties are corrupt in those in those sen- in those senses. Also, the Black Church and the African American experience. Um, there's a chapter in here on uh, political uh, um, um, electoral politics, um, and I think, man, you know, it talks a lot about uh, the Black Church's you know existence and how really during those times where you know, I was talking earlier about the switch between, you know, black voters moving from Republican to Democrat. And man, this book talks about how the black church preserved a lot of the politics that black people are engaged in today um, because uh, because we, they practice a lot of different politics inside of the church itself. So, man, um, so I think this book will give you some 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 more clarity on politics um, um, as far as when it relates to black people and the black church.
Man, thanks, thanks, Joaquin. I know one of the books I wanted to um, highlight is Kingdom Voting by Tony Evans. He's doing a series on Kingdom Voting, but there's also a small book. I don't think it's even 100 pages. Um, and so it's a little little thin book, but it's really, really impactful. I know it's been really, really helpful to not only um, Christians, like all Christians. So um, go check that out. Um, another one I would suggest um, is, is a message, and I think it was a series by Pastor Blake called God is in Control. Um, and I, so I think this is really good, not only now, but even after the election, because I, like we said, hey, the candidate that we may want, that you may want, may not get elected. And so I think I think sometimes we need a refresher and still need that um, kind of remembrance and encouragement that God is in control um, no matter what's going on. Uh, Nate, did you have anything? No, to be honest, I think you all hit it on the head in terms of the resources because we don't want to overload people too much. There's already a lot of things getting thrown at them. But if if you didn't hear anything else, at least on my end, I would say this. Look, we've been given a choice. Whether you vote one way or the other is not sin. Whether you vote one way or the other, voting for someone does not necessarily mean approval or endorsement. Uh, I'll say it like this. Many of us work for companies. You have no idea what the founder CEO for your company is doing. And some of us are working for companies and making the founder CEO of whatever company we work for a lot of money. And then they are giving that money to a certain candidate. Does that mean you're approving of that? No, but anyway, so voting for one or the other, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, approval per se of everything that they believe. Uh, but the one thing that I will say is ultimately, please understand that in the current climate that we're in, ask yourself, who is really following the scriptures? Also ask yourself, are you following the scriptures? Because in today's Asian time, I think a lot of times in politics, we have been trying to steer believers one way, but in all honesty, as, as has been painted pretty clearly here in this podcast today, that's not the case. However, there are some things as a believer you should be doing. And the resources that we pointed to with kingdom voting and even God is in control, which is which was a message on the previous election that came out of crossover those things talk about God is truly in control, but here's the real question. What are we supposed to be doing? God is in control and our vote does have a voice. So it's not that God is in control. We don't vote, but our, our vote does have an impact, mm -hmm. but what else are you supposed to be doing? I think it'd be a failure if there are, certain things going around in your in your city in your state that you're aware of all voting is like the first step there's other things that you're supposed to be doing my question to you would be what are you supposed to be doing and and these resources point to the answer hey good <laughs> that's some good stuff nate um and we just want to conclude this is a true serum podcast uh, we definitely appreciate everyone from listening, um, and we just appreciate, um, you know, just being able to come on here and, you know, 
give the truth of God's word and give the scripture. So, man, it was good doing this with you all today, fellas. Uh, we, hey, hopefully Brittany will be back. Uh, we miss, we miss her dearly. Uh, but we love, man. We I love y'all, and man, thank y'all for being able to uh, come on this podcast tonight. Hey, yeah, uh, thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, follow us. A hey, hashtag. A hey, true, uh, true serum. <laughs> uh, speak the hashtag. Speak the truth. Nah, y'all be good, and y'all have a good night. Peace.